0: So I feel like I've had more to prove for one, because I'm a woman, two, because of my age, and three, because I am his mom. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My been... best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform at night. Gosh, man, that was a was moment that changed my life, man.
1: Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Angelo Kelly and I'm your host. My guest this week is Crystal McCullough. Crystal is an Olympic weightlifting coach and she is also a strength coach for athletes in CrossFit, powerlifting, MMA, a little bit of everything. So it was really fun to get to know Crystal. I actually heard her on the Barbell Life podcast quite some time ago actually before I even started the podcast so it was fun to get her on to talk all things coaching hope you guys enjoy yeah so let's just get started a little bit with your uh with your fitness background like how'd you get into fitness what was the first thing that you picked up on
0: oh gosh I was an athlete my entire life I started I mean my dad coached my uh little t-ball league. I played basketball. I played softball in high school. I played basketball in high school. I ran track in high school. I actually got offers to go play college basketball. Um, not, not scholarships, but they were gonna redshirt me and allow me to take the scholarship the following year because I had an academic scholarship. And uh, I ended up getting married <laughs> instead I know uh I never no regrets but I'm just say like and my husband joined the military um, he was in the National Guard before and then he joined the military so it was more becoming a military spouse and it just wasn't my time to go to school you know and I mean technically like as a female basketball player that's five six how far am I really gonna go anyway it's not like I had a WNBA career <laughs> waiting on me so I did all that and then I joined the military in two thousand and three no, two thousand and one, sorry. And we did a lot of uh basketball stuff there. Like uh we were in South Korea and there was really nothing to do. So we would play basketball three, four nights a week and we had a little league and I was the only female that played and then that's when I got pregnant. So I kinda stopped Doing all that kind of stuff, and while I was pregnant, I stayed active. But then I started running and everything whenever after I had Morgan, because I could do that with him. I could throw him in a stroller. We lived in Savannah, Georgia, and I could run races, do whatever, run in, run with a stroller. You know, my husband would be deployed, so I didn't have to worry about you know daycare or anything like that. So I did that for a while, and then somebody introduced me to CrossFit in 2010. And that's kind of where my love for actually coaching other people came from. And I know that's weird. Like, it's like, Oh, you do crossfit. So you became obsessed with crossfit. And I did to a point, but also just watching other people like come in that had other goals besides myself. I wanted to compete, but you had women coming in that wanted to get off medication or, you know, men that wanted to lose a hundred pounds and just to watch them go from the, you know, through that journey. I wanted to be a part of that. So that's kind of where my coaching came into. And I was a personal trainer prior to that and did a little bit of stuff on the side. But that's when I actually really wanted to to coach.
1: Okay, cool. And 2010 is like the early days. Like that's not Mm -hmm. where you have a CrossFit gym basically in every town.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. And it was cool. I mean, I actually went to nursing school during that time too. So I... I have my RN, my nursing license. I'm an RN. I actually have a master's in nurse education that I don't use at all. <laughs> well, so, it's, good,
1: it's good to have something like that.
0: Though. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's been nice to help me, like, especially with certain things that we do with MASH that I have a little bit of an edge of just knowledge that I have just on the medical side that most coaches might not have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know like a weightlifting gym, if somebody gets hurt in there, no one has a clue what to do.
0: No, first aid kit, ice.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so what got you into weightlifting specifically? I, I feel like everyone I talk to has this story where they're doing CrossFit and then people discover the barbell and it's like, oh, I can just do this or I can just coach this. So, so what was yeah. your kind of path into that?
0: Well, competitively, I fit better in with powerlifting just because of my age. Um, At the time, I didn't really find CrossFit and moving a barbell until I was 35. So you, I mean, you see masters out there, if there are any masters listening, they feel my pain. We've got so many issues to be able to actually, you know, want to dive under a bar for a snatch they it just, it's not, you know, I see kids who, I mean, who have no fear. We have like that, that healthy level of fear in us already at 35. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, 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 did snatches. I did clean and jerk. I actually did a couple of meets, but I did those more with Morgan, you know, when he was like seven or eight years old, just because I wanted him to do it and he didn't want to do it by himself. So I did those with him. But when I did CrossFit, I, I actually, Finished like in the top 200 in 2013, so I had a pretty good, uh, a pretty good. I mean, it was decent. I feel like that at that point, had they had the 35 to 39 age group in the Masters, I probably could have gone to the games, but they didn't start that till I was 40. So, yeah. <laughs> so I missed out on that. But I, I injured myself just from old shoulder injuries from playing softball, playing center field, throwing the ball a lot. And so, doing a lot of high repetition, kipping pull-ups, handstand pull, uh, push-ups, and, like, muscle-ups and things like that would just irritate my shoulder to the point that, you know, I wouldn't be able to lift my arm over my head. And I had a small child, so I had a guy, um, his name's Scotty Cox, he's, he's, um, he's a gym owner in southern Alabama, but he's power-lifted for years and knows a lot of, you know, the higher-level power-lifters. And he told me, he was like, why don't you switch to power lifting? And I started powerlifting and it was fun to just be strong and to not have to worry about you know, doing a three-day competition with 12 workouts and wondering why in the world you were paying to do that, like three workouts in. So I started powerlifting and that kind of was my passion as an athlete at that point. But as far as weightlifting is concerned, I went to my USAW level one when we lived in Kansas. It was, Coach Cross was the, the, co- um, the instructor. I don't know if you know who he is. He's passed away now, but he was in his late seventies or early eighties whenever he, he taught it. And he's been in the game for a really long time, but it was the craziest thing because this man could get down on the ground, stand up by himself without any help, and do a full-depth squat at 80-plus years old.
1: Jeez, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so um, that's when that started, just because I had become a CrossFit coach. And I didn't want to be a, one, a one-trick pony. You know, a lot of times people will get, say, their CrossFit level one, their CrossFit level two. They'll get their weightlifting certification through CrossFit. They'll get their gymnastics, you know what I'm saying? They'll get everything, They're CrossFit, which is great. I love CrossFit. It's where I got started. But you put all of your eggs in that one little basket, and it's so narrow-minded versus everything else. So I started going, I went to, like, the USA Track and Field certification because I wanted to know how they trained and how I could relate that back to the athletes, like weightlifters. A lot of the stuff that USA Track and Field does with you know, like ball throws and different things like that. Actually, they, they get triple extension. They do things like that, too, where you can actually implement that kind of stuff in with your weightlifters and it'd be a good, you know, accessory movement. So I went to that, and then I ended up getting my CSCS in 2017. And... I've done a few other certifications, but I just wanted to continue to learn and get as much information as I could because my background was not in exercise science. I was, you know, behind the curve on a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's smart. That's smart, though, I think, going to the specific fields instead of just going through CrossFit because you're... CrossFit, the definition is not trying to be an expert at one thing, but you can go to a Mm -hmm. weightlifting coach. You can go to, and I think a lot of people now are starting to do that where it's diversifying their education. It's not just, oh, I'll do CrossFit gymnastics. I'll do CrossFit weightlifting. They're like, oh no, there's a lot. There's people who are much better at this than I can be.
0: Oh yeah. Which I mean, some of my favorite, my favorite course I probably ever went to was the CrossFit kids course just because they teach you how to talk to the children and teach them. But when you have a person who comes into your gym that's 40 years old, that's never touched a barbell and never exercised in their life, you can use that same verbiage with them as you do with the kids. So it, 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 it spans across just the kids. So that was probably where I learned the most from the aspect of just coaching basic, and and making sure people understood what you're saying. Because you know, a lot of times people try to talk like they're really, really smart and nobody can understand you. So it gets lost in translation. So learning how to break it down to the simplest of terms for anybody to understand is what the CrossFit kids did.
1: Yeah, I think for any coach that's really good advice. Like if you can't explain it to somebody who's never done it before, then you have no business explaining it to somebody who's an <laughs> expert at it.
0: Right. Uh, well, so, so the reason why I did go the weightlifting course was because I wanted to, you know, your resume when you coached in a weightlifting uh, CrossFit gym is you want to sp- expand your, your resume. So that's why I initially went to that was because I just had my CrossFit level one. That was all I had. I had been coaching, but I wanted more and I loved weightlifting. So that's why I went to that. And then I would, you know, coach weightlifting in my gym that I was coaching at at the time. And then whenever we got to North Carolina, which is where we live now, my husband's retired from the military since 2017. So we were stationed at Fort Bragg and I started coaching when we got there, just at a gym, at a CrossFit gym. And then there was some change in ownership and things. And the current owner asked me if I would want to just run the gym gave me full creative control. So when I say I owned a gym, I had no financial risk at all. This guy was like, here, I'm banking it. You do what you want to do with it because he trusted me. So um, that's where that came from. So that's when I stopped nursing and I actually put all of my effort into running and managing a successful gym. And then we would run um, CrossFit classes, kids classes and weightlifting. And then that's where Travis and I kind of became friends on social media. He had seen Morgan and at the time I was doing other stuff. So I would coach Morgan daily, but I didn't write his program. I wasn't good enough at that point. I felt like, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't far enough along in my journey to want to experiment on my kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, I coached him daily cause we didn't live, up here in where Travis was. So I coached him daily, Travis wrote his program and then we would come up and visit and he would get eyes on from Travis and Don McCauley at the time. And that's whenever my passion for weightlifting, just being in the room with Don McCauley, Travis Mash, you know, Megan Dameron, Tom Suma, Hunter Elam, December Garcia, all of these weightlifters we're in this room lifting, and I I just loved it. So I was hooked.
1: Yeah, what's what's like the biggest thing that you picked up maybe in the beginning of as a coach, like watching other coaches? What what lessons did you learn?
0: I think so. It's so crazy. So say with Don McCauley, you know, when I, I'm still at a point, whenever you know a weightlifter, you know, an elite level weightlifter, when they miss a lift. I still have to slow a video down to look at it. I'm not going to most of the time. If it's a if it's a, a gross error, I'm going to be able to point it out immediately. But, you know, when you've got somebody whose bar path is darn near perfect, but they miss the lift, I have to slow it down still. But it would be crazy to sit and watch it and he would be able to just, like, watch the lift and just, like, spew out, like, exact cues immediately without even having to slow anything down. He just had that eye for you know, sounds like how the bar, you know, made contact at the hip, how, you know, the feet sounded. He didn't even have to look at the the athlete to know if they made the lift or not. It was the craziest thing. And then also on Travis's side, Travis is a guy that, I mean, I don't know if you've been around him very often, but like, he's a guy that if he tells you that you can lift a weight, you believe that you can lift the weight because he's just got that ability to make you believe in yourself. You know, he's not. He was never as technical as Don, which Travis knows his stuff, and he's very scientific. But he also, you know, Don never got you really pumped up to lift. You know, but Travis brought that as well. So just being able to to learn how to, like you mentioned in the the message about buy-in, you know, Travis was able to get that buy-in. So learning how to how to really communicate with the athletes. In order to, to get them to respond.
1: Yeah, and I think just even from the athlete's perspective, I think I always thought my coach needed to know everything and it was just like going to be this magic program, this magic thing. And a lot of times it's just like talking back and forth like, oh, how's your day going? Like what's going on in your life? And then I don't even care about like the technical stuff as much. It's just like, I know my coach knows what I'm doing wrong. And we talk about it a little bit. We talk about my life, like maybe some other stresses going on. But I think if you can create that with your athletes, like that relationship part is huge. Mm -hmm. I think like, yeah, you can know all the X's and O's, but if you can't relate to your athletes and you can't, you can't have that conversation with them, then it doesn't mean anything.
0: Exactly. There's a there's an art and a science to coaching. Like you have to know the science, but if you can't apply it in a way that like the athletes understand and they and it gets them to the point where they want to lift. That I mean, and that's the same with on a football field or on a basketball court too. Um, then it doesn't matter how much you know because you can have the best program in the world, but if people don't come to you, nobody's ever going to know about it.
1: Yeah. Exactly yeah and what it just as a weightlifter i've been doing it for probably three years now the program it changes so much like how how many times you actually go through the entire week and you're like oh i did everything exactly as (laughs) planned like you have a small injury or something goes wrong something you have a great day you pr like it's it's just so much there's so much variable so what do you think like how much of that is is in your coaching like the ability to kind of change things up on the fly when, when a day's either good or bad?
0: Yeah, um, very much so. I think, I mean, I've learned a lot about programming over the years. I've done, you know, basically written tons of programs. And then if you saw my programs from five years ago, you know, because I still do online programming for CrossFit athletes, CrossFit gyms, things like that. So um, I still dabble in the CrossFit world. But you know, just programs that I wrote five years ago versus today, it's like wow, that's a big difference because you learn from your mistakes. Like I don't think that there's ever a bad program; it just depends on you know if you're willing to make those changes for the athletes because not every athlete's the same. So we have, I have what I have as a template, and you know, especially for you know athletes that are right in front of you, it's a lot easier to change things on the fly. Um, you know, with, uh, Morgan and Mallory, which they trade in the basement every single day right now, you know, I'll watch and I'll see that, you know, lists are going really well. We don't actually have any workup sets and I'll be like, you know, okay, today's the day. Let's, let's work up. Or, you know, I may say, okay, let's, let's get rid of the workup sets. Don't go up because, you know, your, your working sets look, look pretty, you know, pretty sketch. So, and, you know, Mallory's in her first semester of college and she just had finals. So I mean, like you say, understanding what's going on in an athlete's life and all of the outside stressors that come with being a first year college freshman and being able to relate to them, hey, guess what, you didn't sleep last night because you were up all night studying for finals. You've had salty crackers and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. That's probably why things aren't going well because you're lacking in sleep, you don't have enough calories in you, so let's just adjust. So, yeah, you have to be able to to watch your athletes and be able to make changes on the fly, if need be. Like, for the most part, there's weeks that we go through and there's nothing that we have to change. And then there's other times where it, you just have to because of life stressors.
1: Yeah, and uh, so let's talk about your basement. It's, like, kind of <laughs> nicknamed the Freedom Freezer. So, like, we're... <laughs> Where did that come from and how did that become an Instagram phenomenon?
0: So it's so funny because I know you know Nathan Dameron and his nickname is the Freedom Fridge. Not sure, that's just what they always call them and that's what he hashtag. And when Morgan and Nathan were training together, people would hashtag many Freedom Fridge. And Morgan is literally taller than Nathan to where Nathan has to look up at him almost and so we joked and we're like, You're not the freedom fridge. You're not the mini freedom fridge. You're the freedom freezer. Like you're huge. And um people kept going back and forth and said, No, he's mini freedom fridge. And so we just kept tagging, <laughs> hashtagging freedom freezer to the point where it finally caught on.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: So but it's like it's a spin off of Nathan's little nickname.
1: Yeah. It, have you had any challenges like it especially you go from a gym and you're in an environment where everyone's hyped up, the music is loud. And then now everyone's kind of just training in their basement or the garage. Maybe they're getting back into the gym, but it's not totally the same. Like, is there anything that you have tip wise for environment creating that where people want to succeed and want to do well?
0: Mm, you know, I think that I mean, we had some challenges last year because I mean, we all whenever COVID first happened we didn't really think that we were going to be sitting here today over a year later right so you know i remember you know we we sold the gym that mash elite performance was in right before COVID hit like the arnold weekend so we were very blessed in that way yes so once we came out of um the where we were quarantined we (laughs) we had nowhere to go so we just stayed in our in our at the time we've moved since we've bought a house in a different place but um in our garage at the time so we started lifting in the garage basically the monday after the arnold um and you know you go from where you're in a room full of people um where athletes that are, you know, better than you or um, athletes that for whatever reason, they they push you, you know, you've got coaches, you know, and, and while I do coach Morgan, it is great to have other voices besides your mom's voice in your ear, right? So it was always nice to have Travis like as a secondary, you know, voice, because if you hear the same voice over and over again, it becomes monotonous to where you don't hear it anymore. It just kind of fades out, right? But, you know, we thought, okay, so they did in like June, they did the youth Pan Am, no, the youth world junior Pan Am qualifier. We did like an online camp because they didn't have, we ended up not having youth nationals. They got postponed. So we're like, okay, it's going to happen, right? We made the team. So now we've got back to train for, and then those got pushed back and canceled. And then they got put online and, you know, you start losing, Interest almost or motivation because you don't know when your next meet is. And my biggest thing for him and Mallory and all of my online athletes that wanted to compete was you don't know when your next meet is going to be, but you need to be ready to get back on that platform when it's time. Because if you take too much time off and let's just say the AO final, which it happened, happens, then you're not prepared and then you're going to kick yourself because you had all this time to work on weaknesses to get healthy and to really develop some good habits as an athlete and you just wasted it all so i mean that may be harsh on my you know be like suck it up and keep training but i mean it's true you know people have gone through different things through covid um you know people have lost jobs they've lost family members, I lost my mom from it, but it's it's one of those things where you have to make the best of whatever your situation is and getting more time to train. Like I have a friend who, you know, she was furloughed, right? She always had to, to, to her time had to be like, go between like working and training. And she put all of the extra time that she worked into her training and she didn't want to go back to work because all she had to do was train. Um, and now she's back to work, and it's great. But you know, she's having to learn how to divide her time again.
1: Yeah, I think that's for everybody, not just the athletes out there. Like, and I don't want to be harsh on people either. But you, we've had fifteen months. Like, if you didn't, if you didn't get better, that's a disservice that you put yourself through.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And you know, getting on the platform for the first time, I don't. You know, some people can have really good days, some can have bad days, you know, whatever, because it's been that long since people have been on a platform. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it is like, as a coach, I, for the first several, several months, I got my hands on every single free webinar I could get my hands on. Um, Everybody, I don't know if you remember, but right whenever this hit, like people were doing webinars left and right just I mean you could I had an inbox full of stuff that I couldn't even get to because there was so much stuff that I had signed up for (laughs) and um because I mean for my that gave me a chance I mean I wasn't coaching in a gym every day at that point I was just with Morgan so I had all this extra time to better myself as a coach because when it was time to get back in the gym and coach athletes I didn't want my skills to be rusty I mean the first time I coached in a meet again Uh, We went down in September to Spencer Arnold's power and grace thing. And it was, it had been since March since I had counted in the back room of a meeting. And I mean, it comes back pretty quickly, but you're rusty, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, so even coaches needed to be holding their skills as well. I mean, if you didn't learn anything new or read a book during the past 15 months then you're doing yourself and your athletes a disservice because you could have gotten so much better as a coach
1: yeah 100 percent. and you said you're working with a lot of youth athletes and i you were just at the um junior camp for usa weightlifting so what's uh what's the difference you think between working with those junior athletes and people in just the regular crossfit gym who want to get a little bit better at weightlifting
0: I think the biggest thing is keeping them interested because, I mean, especially right now, because, you know, the Olympic years that were coming up, a lot of money was getting thrown into the Olympics and the athletes that had the best potential to go to the Olympics, which is where it should go. So I'm not arguing that, but you've got athletes who are, you know, on that cusp of like, say the 2024 Olympics, and I mean, it's a, it's a bold statement, but I think Morgan has a really good shot. 2024, 2028. We've got other athletes, Hampton Morris, good grief, the kid just jerked 170 over his head as a 61. I know, that was nuts. But um, so you've got these kids that they could go be doing so many other sports, you know, I mean, Morgan could probably be playing division one football right now if he wanted to, but he loves weightlifting. And I mean, he's not going anywhere, but I think that the last couple of years where, you know, and it it didn't help that COVID hit and the Olympics got postponed another year because we would be in another quad right now Mm -hmm. if the Olympics hadn't been postponed. So it just feels like it's being drug out. But keeping them interested because, you know, there's not a lot of money unless you're at the very top of weightlifting and you've got kids who just aren't at that level yet but there's no doubt they're going to get to that level, but to keep their level of interest in weightlifting and wanting to continue to get better, I think that's where, you know, things like that camp was really important to to remind them why they love to do what they do because they haven't been to a meet. I mean, the first meet that we went to, we went to Utah, but we didn't have spectators. Um, You weren't able to really sit in the stands. You weren't really able to... It wasn't a normal meet, yeah. and so you didn't get that. I mean, we were in the back room several times where, because it was you know half high, virtual, half online, there was one kid or one person lifting in person in a in a session. So you actually go to Utah, and you're the only person in the back room on the warm up area. So, so while they did a great job with that, you didn't get the feel of what a meet is like, especially if that was somebody's first meet. So I think the biggest thing is like I say, keeping them interested in USA weightlifting, you know, I'm hoping that once the Olympics happen and we get into the next quad that they'll shift their focus a little bit more back to those juniors who are, you know, on that cusp, not necessarily money wise. I mean that would be great, but just in general just recognizing and making them feel like that they're wanted, that they're not just getting pushed aside.
1: Yeah. And weightlifting is such a tough sport. Like you, a lot of people progress really fast, especially youth and juniors who are learning the movements. And then you might have two or three years where you don't PR and it's like, Mm -hmm. how do you keep somebody interested during that time?
0: Yeah, that's, that's hard. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, a, youth a kid should never not hit some kind of PR. I mean, it could be so much so that, you know, they may not PR their snatch for a while and it might be technical stuff that we have to work on. But if they're not PRing anything, including like squats, presses, pulls, anything, then I think that's where, you know, we were talking about programming and being able to change things up. Like obviously something that you're doing isn't working And being able to go back and make changes, so much so to where, like, adding frequency into the program or, you know, changing up certain things like, you know, squatting more often or adding pauses or adding accommodating or whatever. Just, like, don't continue to run the same program over and over again with athletes, especially if they're not seeing progress.
1: Yeah and it's tough because like you said weightlifting is not a sport where you're going to get notoriety it's not like you're going to get a division 1 scholarship to go to to do weightlifting so yeah i think that's a big a big problem in usa weightlifting but i do think the way that meets are run now and how when they were run it like in 2019 and stuff so, but it's really cool to go to a meet. Like, mm-hmm. it's an awesome experience if you ever get the, even if you compete at the American Open, like just the oh, American yeah, Open those are series. are almost
0: even more fun because there's not as much stress. Yeah,
1: exactly. I did, when I did my first meet, I just signed up. I was doing CrossFit at the time. And then uh, I, had the qualifying total but I barely knew what a snatch was at that point <laughs> and then I I went to the meet it was right by my house in King of Prussia and then I was like all right the next monday like I quit crossfit i was like i'm yeah, not that doing that was this a way.
0: really fun meet too like we were we went to that meet i think that's where morgan broke the american record uh clean and jerk at 1415 maybe i think
1: oh uh what well, year i
0: don't know anyway
1: 2018 probably
0: yeah yeah i think so maybe yeah i don't know it, he's broken it in fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, seventeen. but um yeah that was a really fun meet just because of all the history that's just in king of prussia too so i don't always i mean we're busy when we go to those meets but i love going and seeing what if, what's outside of the training the training area and the the, the meet itself because you know we went and drove around um what's the the civil war
1: valley forge
0: yeah we drove around there so that was really cool um but yeah i think though but that camp I, that was i think that was much needed because i know they they only did it because senior pantiums they had just come back so there was no point in bringing the seniors up there so it worked in the favor of the juniors they took the top five boys and the top five girls from the junior Pan Am team that's coming up at the end of June now they just postponed it from first of June to the end of June so it was really good because some of those kids hadn't seen each other in over a year and you know kids that are in their basements training all the time were you know in different training environments just bringing those kids together where they all have one single goal They're all on an international team. They're all different weight classes, personal coaches were there. So we were actually able to stimulate our brains with other coaches and, you know, just watching those kids just the whole week, just, you know, sit down in the, you know, they had it to where we were in the hotel. There was the the place where you ate was right next to the training hall. So everything was right there. And so they would sit down there at mealtime, for like two hours, like at the table, just chit chatting. Um, so it was just really cool to watch them bond, and I think that you need that after all of that because you do come kind of jaded, become jaded a little bit with the fact that you know you don't know. Like I'm still waiting for the shoe to drop for Uzbekistan, you know, because like, is it really going to happen? I think it is, but. You know, you train for something, it gets postponed or it gets canceled. So I think that that was the first time that they all got together. So I think that they got excited and they were, they had that renewed kind of love again for the sport. Yeah.
1: And just, you mentioned like being in the same room as Don McCauley and Travis Mash makes you a better coach. Being with uh, with better athletes just makes you a better athlete.
0: Oh, yeah, and like they cheered each other on, and I mean, it was really cool. And you know, as far as coaches, is like you know if if you know I'm always open to, you know, if somebody sees something that I don't ta- I don't see and they have recommendations whether I take it or not, I you know they' I, I walked away from there with things that I'm like, you know what I'm gonna try that because I mean, you know i mean everybody has their strength and weaknesses weaknesses as coaches and as athletes so it's like i love getting feedback from other coaches and seeing how i can you know help my athletes based on maybe something that they've done with their athletes that work that may have had the same issue i'm not afraid to ask (laughs) for help because i mean i'm still learning i'm you know only five years deep into this and um there's still a lot that i don't know so
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an awesome trait to have though. Just curiosity in general. Like if you're not good at something, ask, go around the best people and just figure it out. Like ask them how they did it.
0: Yeah. Believe me, I signed back up for school. Like I'm about to start my second semester in a second master's program just because (laughs) of my curiosity. I don't know (laughs) if that's good or not.
1: (laughs) So you mentioned Morgan a bunch. Um, what's it like coaching your son and maybe give some tips for people who are maybe thinking about coaching their kids but they're like I don't know if I want to deal with that like what's what's been the challenge with that
0: I definitely think it takes a certain kind of relationship because you know I'll see some you know relationships and not necessarily in weightlifting because you know trip. Morris and Hampton Morris have a really good, you know, relationship, and I love watching them interact with each other. Um, and I know there's other father-son, mother-daughter, whatever, different combos of parents coaching their kids. But you know, you see that football coach or whatever that's got his kid out there, and they're just so much harder on them than they are on anybody else. Or they can't—that line can't be found between parent and coach. And so one of the biggest things that we did a long time ago was, you know, hey, Morgan, if we're in the gym and I tell you something, I'm not nagging you. I'm telling you something as your coach. I want to better you as an athlete. And when we're at home, obviously we talk about weightlifting. We, you know, strategize, we do stuff at home. But then there's that time when I have to be mom. And we just have drawn that line between there and I think that's the biggest thing is we have boundaries and the other thing is you know we have a special relationship because my husband spent 25 years in the military Morgan has been without his dad for four years of his 17 years not all at once but and so he had just me and I mean I don't know how many Valentine's days that he's been my date because <laughs> 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 my husband was deployed. But it's just, you know, we've just had we've always had that special bond and I think it a lot has to do with just the way that we've, you know, lived our lives as, you know, a military family. Um, but I did not coach him straight on, like early on. I mean, I had hands on and I would coach him daily, but you know, I outsourced a lot too because I mean, obviously, that's what brought us to Travis and stuff. And Travis still has a huge role in Morgan's development. Morgan is about to go to Lenore Ryan, which is just right down the street from us. And he's going to be on the weightlifting team where Travis will have him daily. So Travis and I will switch roles. I'll be doing the programming and Travis will see him daily. So, um, you know, that's going to be a huge adjustment for me. (laughs) But um, I think the biggest thing is having boundaries. And that's the thing as a parent, if you don't think that you can have defined boundaries and you're going to blur the lines a lot then you probably shouldn't
1: coach your own kid yeah i had um one of my best friends growing up his dad coached our little league baseball team and he was like to the team he was the nicest guy he's like guys we need to have fun that is the number one rule and then his son ben would do something wrong and he would he would lose (laughs) his fucking mind and it was just so funny and, and it's like from an outsider's perspective, like I didn't, I saw that. But when you're in it, like you don't really yeah. know what's going on.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, for me, like if I had a confession to make here, that for me, being Morgan's coach and, you know, being under Travis's, um, you know, wing for so long, I feel like that I've had to have something to prove because, you know, I, you know, you see those parents that kind of ride the coattails of their kids and they really don't know what they're doing or what they're talking about. They just ride the coattails and I don't want to be viewed as that parent. You know what I mean? I want to be valued and respected as a coach. And I mean, I coach over 60 athletes to include a professional um, MMA fighter and other weightlifters, CrossFit athletes that have come close to, you know, making it to, what is it, the semifinals of CrossFit now? Different things like that. So I don't just you know, I've coached powerlifters that uh, I'm about to coach a girl that the first powerlifting mate that has squatted three hundred and seventy five pounds for two as a seventy five kilo uh, nineteen year old girl. So <laughs> you know it's I want to you know I don't want people ever to think that I got to where I am just because I'm Morgan's mom. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I feel like I've had more to prove for one, because I'm a woman, two, because of my age, and three, because I am his mom. I always make it very... I think sometimes he gets the raw end of the deal because I try so hard to be so fair with all my other athletes and I don't want to give him special treatment that there's things that he misses out on because I don't want to give him special treatment. But then on the other hand, he gets to do things that other athletes can't because of all the safe sports stuff, you know what I mean, like, that, and because I'm his mom, he could go do things that maybe the other athletes can't, so, but I try so hard to be very, um, fair among all my athletes to not treat him any differently when it comes to being an athlete.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a hard line, like, for anybody mm-hmm. to have to go through that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, though, that you have the the boundaries and kind of can have that separate conversation. Hey, right now I'm mom. Hey, right now I'm your coach. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like, can you just be my mom right now? Like,
1: <laughs> so you mentioned you're coaching a bunch of athletes. I'm assuming a lot of it's online now. Like, yeah. What are you doing personally? Like, how do you disconnect? And, like, we all have Instagram. We all have the distractions. What do you do to take care of yourself when you're not coaching, not working?
0: Gosh, that's a good one. Cause usually it would be training. Like, you know, I still am a competitive power lifter. I still have my own goals. I, you know, I had my best meet in 2019 where I, everything came together. Um, I squatted 160, I benched 88 kilos and I pulled 185. So that was like the best meet of my life. Like I PR'd everything. And I haven't been able to recreate that. And I have, I've always had the goal to break a thousand pounds in powerlifting before I'm done. But, you know, right now, because, you know, being a remote mostly gym, right? That we don't even have a brick and mortar right now is we are always, you know, like I have athletes, I have a ton of athletes and we travel, a lot with, you know, USA Weightlifting Team USA, some with some of the athletes and just being able to get consistent training in. I was sitting here and I was like, oh, I got four days of training in last week. I have yet to train this week. So it's like, um, and then when we go to Uzbekistan, I doubt I'll train the entire 10 days. I mean, I'll move, but am I gonna be ready for a powerlifting meet, (laughs) you know, during those 10 days? So it's just more about, um, for me, My unwinding is getting a good book to read that does not have anything to do with coaching or anything like that. I unwind with Netflix. I mean, I'm on like season 13 of Grey's Anatomy for like the third time.
1: I don't know how people unwind with that show because that that stresses me out.
0: I'm a nurse, so I understand some of what they say, but then also just the training. So I get really irritable. Like, we've had a lot of stuff happen this week, like something. something burst in our bathroom it flooded our basement um, the kids are trying to train around guys like cleaning up our basement which thankfully oh my goodness thankfully it happened on the other side and not on top of our equipment because that would have been horrible so we have a, a new puppy that we're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to train and he's eating everything so it's like trying to find that our to, for me to train, I get so irritable. if I can't, so, um, I can be unbearable sometimes if I've not trained at all that week. So my family's there's times where Morgan will be like, mom, go train, please. (laughs) So that's my biggest way to unwind. And it's just even moving, not necessarily getting a barbell on my back, but just, you know, feeling, feeling like you're doing something
1: yeah one thing I've been doing is just like going for a walk without bringing my phone I'm actually gonna post about that on Instagram later but like just going for a walk for 30 minutes and not having any notifications not not having any agenda it's like just so calming and relaxing and then everything's there when you get back if you have a message on Instagram it's still there no one's gonna no one's gonna be mad at you because you (laughs) responded 30 minutes later
0: yeah there's, there's no real emergency in fitness Yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. No, that's true. I do. I do go walk some. So that's true. And whenever the pandemic was like in its deepest, and we had, you know, we were quarantined. That was our get out of jail free card was to go to the park and go walk. So we used to do that as a family, like almost every single day. And Morgan and I still do it some because that's when you you have a seventeen year old kid. You know, that's about the only time he is not attached to the playstation or his phone and like you actually have really good conversations so that's that's probably one of my favorite things to unwind is when he and i go on a walk so i can i don't have to dig things out of him yeah he just freely talks the walk i don't know it just like makes their mouth loose
1: <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Well, that's awesome that you're doing at least a little bit to take care of yourself i I know as a coach, the life of a coach is not an easy one. No. You have a tough job but uh but yeah, finding that time for yourself I think is yeah
0: they joke it. and say oh you you're in a gym all the time. How do you not work out all the time and I'm like you've never." like you never worked in a gym if you say that
1: <laughs> yeah everyone who I talked to has said owning a gym or being a being a head coach is the time that they were the most unhealthy
0: <laughs> you know it's funny When out in 2019 when I was at my best I was managing the gym that we were at I was working for Mash Elite so I had two jobs we we had like a The gym itself Late was in it, but we had a general population classes and things like that. And so I was doing all the programming for that. And I was also coaching the early morning classes. And then I was doing all of my remote programming and then coming back in the afternoons and coaching our weightlifters with Travis. And a lot of my workouts were done between the 5 a.m. and the 8.30 a.m. class. And between sets, I would mop because (laughs) that was when I cleaned too. And that was when I was in my best shape. That's but I also crazy. had nobody else in the gym. Nobody was coming up asking me questions because the gym was closed, so I could mop, play the music, and do my workout without distraction.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think like what I hear from you is like you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. You're not afraid to be a beginner. You're not afraid to learn stuff. And that that's something that I admire in coaches who are just really, you know, maybe you, you get started and you're like, I don't know everything, but you're going to figure out a way how to learn it.
0: Oh, yeah. I think if you say that you know everything or you stop learning, it's time to retire because I think at that point you're doing a disservice to your athletes because I think that you should always be searching for knowledge. And that's not even just for coaches. That's just in life. If somebody gets so complacent in their job that it becomes so monotonous that they don't they don't continue to learn, then, I mean, I think that I don't know how anybody can be happy that way.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times you think being happy is about having less, but when you have more to do and you have stuff that really matters to you and is important, that's when you're the most happy, even if you're the busiest.
0: Oh yeah. My husband tells me all the time, you've got so much on your plate. Like you've got, you've got to take something off your plate. And it's like, I don't I don't find this this isn't worked. I love this somehow I somehow by the grace of God this is what I ended up getting to do in my adult life and I love it so I don't feel like it's a job I just have to time manage very well
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you, you can't forget about yourself and your health is important too well this has been really fun where can people find you if they want to learn more
0: um, they can, I actually just created a new Instagram. I still have my personal Instagram. So if you follow me on there, I'll still post stuff there, obviously. But I just created a new coaches page just to be able to highlight. I've got some really fantastic athletes that, you know, just from general getting healthy to powerlifting, to CrossFit, to weightlifters that I really wanted to showcase that we don't always showcase on the main MASH Elite site. So I created my own space that I can also create content on too, because I want to start creating more content. And, um, and so that is at coach underscore crystal Mac on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter as coach crystal Mac. And then I'm on Facebook, but really that's just uh, for things to roll over to Facebook from Instagram. So I don't really ever check that. And then um, if you ever want to hit me up for questions, comments, concerns, coaching, you can reach me at crystal at mash
1: Awesome. And uh, I'll probably cut it out at the beginning, but you were a huge inspiration for me to start this podcast when I was listening to The Barbell Life back in the day. So thank you. Uh, Well, thank you very much.
0: I want to say this is my first podcast that I'm not on the other side over there. So I was really nervous (laughs) that I probably said, oh, and everything too much because like talking on the fly. But this was really fun.
1: Once again, thanks so much to Crystal for coming on the show. If you guys want to continue following her, both of her pages on Instagram will be linked up in the show notes. And if you guys enjoyed this one, just take a quick screenshot and share it out on your Instagram story and tag both of us. We would definitely appreciate that and help spread the word to new listeners. So thank you again for tuning in. Appreciate you guys, and I will talk to you next week.